you know, finding these practices, whether it's meditation for you or yoga nidra or yin yoga or restorative or just going for a walk and really settling down, like you need that. You absolutely need that. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. I hope that Radically Loved Radio leaves you feeling inspired to create something powerful. My teacher, Yoga Rupa Rodstreicher, says, if you powerfully believe in the value you have to offer the world, your love and passion for it will be an unstoppable force. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic, the coffee that gets you fired up. Aside from supporting energy, stamina, and athletic performance, cordyceps have been studied for their strong antioxidant properties. I have been so obsessed with this coffee for the last year. I've been drinking it and I've been traveling with it. And in case coffee doesn't pump you up enough, how about coffee paired with one of the most energy supporting mushrooms on the planet, cordyceps. So coffee is so energizing because it stimulates the central nervous system and the adrenal glands. But combining this with a more balanced cellular energy to support uh, our immune system and our health function, this mushroom can result in a balanced stimulation while using only half of the amount of caffeine normally found in a coffee, which is awesome. <laughs> they also have an incredible matcha mix that is my absolutely new favorite, and they want to give our listeners a gift. So for those of you who are curious and want to try the mushroom coffee that doesn't taste like mushrooms, go to foursigmatic.com forward slash radically loved. So that's foursigmatic.com forward slash R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D for 15% off of all of their products. Thanks for listening. Cassandra Reinhardt is a yoga teacher who wanted to create a sacred space for people to learn yoga at their own pace. She focuses on lunar practices as well as yin and restorative types of yoga flows, as well as the more vinyasa type styles. I think it's so important to really shed more light and attention on the more restorative types of practices, especially in this chaotic and stressful world that we can live in. She is such an insightful, kind-hearted, and generous human being. We had such a great conversation, and I can't wait to share it with you. Please let us know what you thought. Here's Cassandra. So I'm here with uh, Cassandra Reinhardt. Did I say that right? Tell me I did. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
So we we had a little bit of a technical difficulties. I always like to let everybody know how um, you know unglamorous these things can be sometimes, um, right? And so I know that you um, you're a, a incredible presence in the yoga community uh, and all the online content that you've created is really sort of geared towards women and. Uh, you've got tons of uh, videos online and like a bajillion subscribers <laughs> and and different fun programs. And I, I think that what you're doing and everything that you're creating is very inspiring and accessible. And I, I feel like the importance that you give to restorative practices and yin yoga and, you know, you talk about all of these, uh, all the health benefits and why we need to be practicing it more so. I wanted to have you on the show because I want you to tell all of our listeners about it. And, you know, we want to get to know you. Who who are you? Oh, my goodness. What a first question. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for those lovely compliments. Um, I love what I do. I love teaching online. Uh, so who am I? Well, I'm a yoga teacher. I am based out of Ottawa, Canada, but I've chosen to mainly build my presence online. So most of my teachings and my offerings are done online, either on my Yoga with Cassandra YouTube channel or my, you know, programs that I offer, Lunar Yoga, stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, YouTube is kind of where I got started off and continues to be my main, main platform uh, that I love to spend a lot of time on. And I add new classes every week. And that's really where I uh, offered the most yin yoga. There wasn't that much yin online when I was first starting off and I really wondered why that was because yin has always been my favorite style of yoga Mm -hmm. Um, and for a while I I thought like oh maybe I shouldn't do yin because it doesn't seem to be popular Ah. so you know so I was like oh maybe I shouldn't you know no one's really doing it that's probably because people don't like it uh, which was a huge mistake. Like now I know not to think that way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I put out my first yin yoga class. I was like, oh man, you know, I'm just about to do my own yin yoga practice at home. Why don't I just film it and put it online and we'll see what people think about it. And it really took off from there. So I've been really uh, fortunate that I've been able to kind of carve out my uh, niche or niche or however you say that word, <laughs> <laughs> carve out my little, my little space for myself in the online community. And it's allowed me to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, no, that's really, I mean, personally, it's also my favorite. It's my favorite thing to practice, uh, which is why I loved everything that you were doing. I was like, oh my goodness, that is amazing. (laughs) And it really feels like now is the best time to be really talking about the more restorative, more nurturing type of practices, because you're right, everything that we see out there uh, in the social stratosphere is fast power flow uh fit body like you know it's just this constant moving and so it's really nice to hear your perspective and to to be able to get good quality content around a practice that is really sort of meant to be uh static in a way you know yeah 
Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, I definitely don't knock those stronger practices. I'm a big lover of vinyasa flow and um, it's still something that I offer on my channel and something that I love. But the thing is, is we need balance in our lives and most of us are living a very yang life. Uh So most of us are very active mentally. Maybe we're not active physically because we're sitting down, but we're very active in the sense that stress levels are high and, you know, many people now have side hustles and there's like a lot of pressure to be performing all the time year round and always producing, producing, producing. So, you know, finding these practices, whether it's meditation for you or yoga nidra or yin yoga or restorative or just going for a walk and really settling down, like you need that. You absolutely need that. Um, otherwise you, you will burn out, you know? So someone who's always stressed and always going, 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 it might feel good to go to a vinyasa yoga class or a power yoga class or boxing or something and to just kind of get it all out. But at the same time, that's so much activity. It's so much stimulation, it feels good because that's what you're used to doing and you're used to just trying to tire yourself out. So yin yoga is just like offering a different approach of, okay, instead of trying to tire yourself out and overexert yourself physically to quiet down your mind, how about you quiet down your body and just tune into your mind and see what that chatter is all about. So we're all trying to get to the same same place and the same goal and the same intention, but we're using different pathways for it. And I found that yin yoga has been pretty much the best one for me to be able to uh, just bring more balance into my life. Cause I am a busy person. I am a very active, you know, stressed out, <laughs> crazy person sometimes <laughs> juggling a million balls in the air. So I, I mean, do need yin yoga. I yeah. do need it. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us about your yogic journey. Like, how did you get, how did you come to this practice? How did you get started? I started about 10 years ago. I was uh, a dancer for many years. So I started ballet. I was like three years old or something in my first little little ballet class. My parents enrolled me in is the best thing ever. I loved it. And I did that for years and years. But you know, any dancer will tell you it can be quite harsh on your body. And especially because I wasn't necessarily Uh, knowledgeable enough about anatomy as a teenager and as a child growing up. I didn't really know how to do things safely and protect my body. So my low back, my hips, my knees, everything was always kind of hurting and I was getting injured. My hamstrings, I was always tearing my hamstrings, always, always, always. Um, So I just wanted to do yoga because I figured it would help my dancing. I, I wasn't looking for like a spiritual practice. I wasn't looking for a new form of exercise. I really was so focused on my dancing. Yoga was just something I thought would help. And, you know, yoga did its thing on me and I ended up falling in love with it and slowly ended up kind of leaving the dance world and fell in love with yoga. It was such a new concept for me to not worry about what shape my body was making. Um, you know, dance is, is a beautiful art form and it is all about creating these exquisite lines with your body and doing these very precise, specific movements and looking for perfection in those movements. And that's, that's beautiful. I love that. I still deeply have a deep respect for dance and for ballet, but it was really liberating for me, especially as a teenager and then a young adult to find a practice where it was like, you know what, you're actually perfect the way you are. You don't have to push. You don't have to look at yourself in the mirror and always correct your form. You don't have to wear tights, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can just kind of come as you are and breathe and move. And it took me a while to really embrace um, the lack of perfection. I was really mm. thrown off in my first few yoga classes. I felt like the teachers weren't telling me enough cues. They weren't correcting my every ah, move. 
Uh I was so used to being corrected all the time. And I was like, I just kept thinking, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? What if I'm not doing it correctly? Like, am I going to get, I don't know. It was really hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that it's not about the shape your body's making. It's a way, it's about the way it makes you feel on the inside. Uh, but that's pretty much how I came to it. And then, you know, five years or so after that, I went for my teacher training and, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I started teaching before I got my teacher training. Maybe I say, but <laughs> no, I know I, I'm, I'm the same way I did too. Uh, I yeah, did like a little, yeah, no, just a little, no, it's not, you know, just a little, oh no, that's so, that's I didn't so injure great. anyone. Oh no, that's so, good. You know. That's the main part. Um, I can't, I don't actually remember. I, I think it was mostly just my friends and stuff. I did a, right. a little weekend teacher train it was like a kundalini weekend teacher certification and I think back I'm like wow that was really not that little school the little studio is not even there anymore if that's telling of you know um but they were great I mean I I had a great experience and it actually just set the tone for you know uh what happened for you know like the rest of my life so anyway that um I love that so much what was your experience during teacher training? Oh, I loved my teacher training. It was huge for me. I waited until, like I hadn't necessarily considered joining a teacher training until the teacher that I was mainly practicing with told me that she was offering a teacher training. So it just felt like synchronicity. It felt like, oh, great. Like I would only ever want to learn from her at the beginning. Like now I learn from many, many teachers. Um, but I really had a deep connection to her and to her teachings. And she had impacted me so much. Her name is Louise Cameron. She's from Ottawa. And so she offers, she was saying she was offering uh, a teacher training and it was a very small group. So there was only like six to eight people I think in my group and we would do it a couple times a week um, and it was in her home it was very intimate very nurturing and it was extremely comprehensive I loved it I felt I'm kind of lucky that I have a bit of a photographic memory so it was easy for me to like kind of learn all the verbal cues and the alignment and the anatomy so it and because you know I did ballet for 15 16 17 years you already kind of know a lot, like teaching came very naturally to me. So that was great. And as soon as I graduated, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to start teaching right away. Um, But I love teacher training. It was such, it was such a different kind of experience from anything else I had ever done before. I mean, anyone who's ever been through a teacher training knows that it's so much more than just learning how to be a yoga teacher. It really takes you into a deep dive journey of who are you as a person? What do you have to offer to the world? What are your shadows that you're ashamed Mm -hmm, of? mm -hmm. You know, what do you have to contribute and how are you going to make that shine? So it was very, I was surprised by how much it felt like therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Like a, a personal development program. So that's why it's like, I always encourage people. It doesn't matter if you want to be a teacher, just take a yoga teacher training yeah. because it's, it, it will transform you in, in beautiful ways. And it will of course deepen your yoga practice and it will deepen your respect hopefully for the practice of yoga. So I, I loved it. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful program. Oh, I love that so much. I, I, you know, lead teacher trainings and I've had many students that have taken trainings just to deepen their practice. And I love what you're saying about it being such a transformative experience because I really feel like it's not even a yoga teacher training. It's more of just like a lifestyle or a life training, right? I feel like, you know, a lot of that gets a little diluted just with, with 
what we the general public thinks about yoga and it's just about the movement or it's maybe a little too spiritual or esoteric but I really feel like it's what you're saying it's really about finding a balance and finding a a truer connection to yourself right yeah and I found it to be really empowering too having been a student most of my life either in school or with ballet or then even with yoga I was always looking to teachers to fix me, help me, teach me, obviously. And of course, teachers can absolutely do that for you. But I learned very quickly through my teacher training that I have the answers within me. And so on a very practical level, teacher training allowed me to understand why I was getting so injured. So just like really practical on a physical level by doing teacher training, then I knew why my low back hurt. I understood why my knees and my hips were always in pain doing ballet and I knew how to fix it. So, you know, many students will come to me and they, you know, even though I'm online, I get emails, like tons and tons of emails. And they're like three pages long and people are telling me all about what's wrong with them. And it's like, there's no way a teacher can tell you, you know, some things you just really need to learn and know for yourself. I really wish more yoga practitioners would go to a teacher training because I think they would understand so much more about their own bodies and they would feel em- uh, empowered mm-hmm. to heal themselves, yeah. right? And not look to the teacher for all of the answers because while we might have a part of the answer, no one knows your body more than you do. No one knows your history and your family history more than you do. No one knows the trauma that you've been to on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a spiritual level. So no teacher can give you a concrete plan on how to fix you, you know, like a lot of it does come from inside. So that was hugely transformational for me. All of a sudden I was able to, you know, fix all these aches and pains that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. It was just so... It was wonderful. It was wonderful. So while I still, of course, always go, you know, I'm injured right now. I'm in athletic therapy. Like my, no, I can't do what my athletic therapist does for me. And I still turn to teachers when I need guidance and counsel, but I've also learned to really trust myself and to trust my own knowledge and to look for answers within me instead of always going outside and seeking other people to help me out. If that makes sense. Uh, Absolutely. I think that having the courage and the power to look within yourself is is really a key and and I love that you're saying that because so many times especially in the world of self-development or yoga we always look outside or we're looking for somebody else to give us the answer Mm -hmm. and so I feel like these practices really allow us to become uh totally submersed and um empowered by the tools that we're we're gaining from this this practice so I love that thank you for sharing that (laughs) um so yin yoga it's so for the people listening if you you are not really familiar it's um it's a yoga practice that uh, targets both deep connective tissue between muscles and the fascia throughout the body and the aim is to really increase circulations and joints and improve flexibility and uh, the poses uh, really allow for the bone and, and joint areas to become into alignment. So, uh, yep. is that is that right? I'm like, did yep. I did <laughs> no, I cover that's that? Perfect. Okay, good. Um, that's perfect. A I, passive a passive practice. Yeah, passive practice. And so, tell me what what inspired you to create the lunar yoga, which I love, by the way. Yeah. So lunar yoga 
This is like an online community I created for women. I opened the doors to it January 2017. And it's together, it's all pre-recorded, but we do new moon and full moon yoga classes, meditations, journaling exercises. Um, this was just my way of creating something that showcased the depth of yoga in a very... Hmm, a feminine way, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is an online community for women. And I really felt drawn to the connection that we have with nature's rhythms, right? Nature's cycles, whether through the seasons or through the different phases of the moon. And, you know, lunar yoga is not something that I thought I would ever create. I was looking for a community like that to join, but it didn't exist. So I had to make it myself. <laughs> and so I created this and I wanted it to really be a merging of all the things that I'm really into. You know, the fun thing about creating something yourself is you get to mold it to, to be exactly what you want it to be. So of course it's yin yoga is a huge part of it, especially for the new moon because the new moon is a time of darkness and it's a time of introspection. Usually mm. um, if you're synced up with the moon as a woman, and your period menstruation is synced up with the moon, the new moon is when you would be bleeding. So energy levels are a little bit lower. So for us, this is when we set intentions and we practice yin yoga. And then full moon is when we do like a flow, a flow practice, vinyasa practice, a little bit more active and energy. This is usually when women will be ovulating and you, you know, you feel really great. And this is the time to really like socialize and get out there. But I've always been really interested, like my background is in social work and psychology. So I wanted to kind of add that depth because to me, like I mentioned before, yoga has really been therapy for me. Like that's, that's been a really great way for me to get to know myself and to really face my own shadow. So shadow work is a big component for me of lunar yoga and that's from Jungian psychology. And so it was just, I just wanted to create something that went beyond the physical practice of yoga, not as a way to diminish the importance of the physical practice, because I you know, I love me some, some good flows and some good asana. And, uh, that's, I would say my YouTube channel is mostly a physical practice. I am starting to integrate a little bit of more emotional intelligence and a little bit more psychology, um, working with different themes. But I started off on YouTube as being a very physical, physical practice, physical mm -hmm. yoga teacher, you know, mm -hmm. And so lunar yoga was my way to kind of branch out from there and create a community where I felt safe offering these kinds of practices and also safe showing these and sharing these different parts of myself. It's a very real and raw and vulnerable group. And anyone who's ever kind of led a group knows that if you're going to want other people to open up and to share and to dive deep, you need to set that example. And that doesn't mean, you know, spilling your guts and <laughs> unloading all of your burdens on other people, but it means being a leader in the way that you show up on your mat and the way that you share obstacles and challenges and not only sharing the highlights of your life, you know? So it was, it was something that I created for myself as much as for other people. I always say it was kind of a, a bit of a selfish community. I felt like I needed this community. Yeah. <laughs> so I created it, you know? Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that was really the reason why I created this podcast. It's very similar. You know, I wanted to create a space for people to come to or to gather information or get inspired or 
provide a little bit of insight for, you know, maybe things that they're facing in their life and utilize the modalities of yoga, meditation, um, or mindfulness to create a, a, a better, you know, a better life or to create more sustainable joy. So I think that that's so incredible. I think that you speak, uh, what you're saying is, is so important being able to be transparent and to Mm. be vulnerable with your community, I feel like is the key. And I feel like it's so important for us to be able to connect on a human to human level, uh, for us to be authentic. It's important for us to be able to not only be vulnerable, to be transparent and to have that authenticity to be able to connect, especially in, in a place or in a world where a lot of it is online. And a lot of it is, you know, we spend way more time connecting with people through a device of technology instead of person to person. So how, how do you, how have you been able to really achieve that? Because you do have such a thriving and and beautiful, loving community. Yeah, that's a great question. And because I am online, you know, I started on YouTube with zero subscribers, just like anyone in the world. If they were to create a (laughs) channel, you know, you start off from the bottom. No one knew who I was. No one cared who I was. So it's been such a strange and beautiful and crazy ride to go from being someone that no one knows, no one really cares about to having this platform on YouTube that's grown quite significantly. And to, you know, like now if I travel, people actually stop me and they're like, Hey, are you Cassandra from YouTube? It's surreal. It's oh, I crazy. Love it. I love but I, it. it's real. I love it too. I love it too. So if you recognize me, please go up and make my day. <laughs> please go see me because that is absolutely like, that's the biggest ego boost. I will be flying high for like a week after that happens. Um, but it's been really hard and really strange because I've noticed how the more, you know, quote unquote popular I've gotten, the more I get placed on a pedestal and the more people project onto me who they think I am and what they think I stand for based on, you know, one thing I said in one video three years ago, people will come up with an idea of who they think I am. And that's been difficult to navigate because I only ever want to be myself. And you can very easily fall into this trap where it's super flattering when people put you up on a pedestal and when you constantly get uh, positive feedback. You know, people are telling you you've changed their lives. You're the best yoga teacher they've ever had. No one has been able to heal their back pain, but you healed their back pain, you know, and you're getting these kinds of messages over and over and over and over again for years at a time. You really need to be careful to not let it get to your head. It's so important for me to be transparent and to not filter myself too much. Like I always have to play with the the fine line of I want to be diplomatic, but I don't want to be fake, you know, so I don't want to, to purposefully offend anyone, but I also don't want to filter my message out so much because I'm trying to, you know, it's like impossible not to offend someone now, especially when you're online and you have such a big audience. It's, it's impossible to please everyone. But Uh. if you get caught in this rat race of like, Oh my God, am I going to offend, uh, the gluten-free people or, you know, like whatever, like, am I going to offend, you know, I hope I didn't offend gluten-free people just by saying that. But like an example that I've shared before is one time in like, I swear quite a bit 
all the time. Like, that's just who I am. I've always been like that. I talk a lot. I talk with my hands. I'm out there and I swear and I love it. <laughs> and, and I swore in an Instagram post and I got a couple messages where I was like, I'm really disappointed in you. I didn't think that was the kind of person you were. And that really made me pause for a second because there was a part of me that was like, oh, well, I can't swear anymore because I'm going to offend someone. And then the more, you know, like the true real part of me had to be like, wait a minute, I am not going to change who I am because it didn't fit the narrative of this 1% mm. of the population of my audience. But it is really hard. It makes it the the more popular I get, I would say, the harder I feel it is to like color outside the lines yeah. and to do something different because it's like, am I going to alienate my audience? Am I going to offend someone? Is this going to destroy the image they've made of me? Like, I don't want anyone to have an image of me, you know? And as I started to offer more in-person offerings, like I do uh, new moon monthly gatherings here in Ottawa, I just started that last month and retreats and things like that. I've been really blown away by the feedback I get from the people who meet me in person. They always seem to, some people are like, oh, you're exactly who I thought you would be. And to others are like, you are not at all who I thought you would be. And that's always really good feedback for me because I'm like, okay, then I need to make sure that I'm communicating who I am for real through the camera. And that's hard. Like it's, it's, it's very hard, especially in the context of a yoga class. Yeah. But, um, so, so I can't say that I have it all figured out, but it is like a top priority for me to be as authentic as possible and to not filter myself so much that I dilute who I am, you know, for fear of offending people. Like I'm not interested in having a big following. If it means I can't be myself, I'd rather have, you know, 10 people than a thousand people or, you know, yeah. So, but it's hard it's really hard yeah you know it's interesting that you say that because it is sort of a fine line that you're walking between getting your message out there and getting some really well thought out content out there that you want to be well received but it's also <laughs> you're kind of teetering on that line between upsetting this group of people and satisfying this group of people and I feel like you know this is sort of the struggle about of being in the in the public eye you yep. you're subjecting yourself to being judged and criticized right especially as a yogi like that's really tough because all we do is teach about acceptance and being open and truthfulness and honoring yourself and and you know holding your your highest self in in reverence and how do we do that when we're wanting to provide certain things and wanting to be accepted you know yeah Definitely. And it's been a really good, like what's been really good for me and really helpful has been to look at the people that I admire. So I can complain all I want that, oh, people are putting me on a pedestal. Um, I don't feel like I can express myself authentically or people maybe that they don't know me for who I really am. I've had to now look at the people that I admire, you know, the people who are really in the public eye, like these celebrities or these yoga teachers or authors or mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And I've really had to step back and think, why do I like them so much? I don't actually know these people. But, you know, when you follow someone over time, some people I've been following for a decade. So you do kind of start to feel like you do know them. But the experience of me now having people who look up to me has really made me realize that like, whoa, you know, that person that I've been following for 10 years, they have no idea who I am. And mm. this idea of that I've made up in my mind of who I think they are and what I think they stand for, 
that could be true and it could be not. So I've really had to like let go of the attachment I have to other people that I look up to. So it's great to have a mentor, but like if it's going to be a mentor, you need to know them <laughs> physically. Um, but people oh, yeah. that I look up to, I've really had to kind of, you know, just relinquish that, that hold and that attachment. It's a non-attachment practice because I've really had to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually don't know what their stance stances on X, Y, and Z issue. I don't know how they treat their mother. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if they pay their taxes. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about them. So I've, I've really had to practice kind of just letting go of what I think of other people too. And that's been really helpful for me. Oh yeah. How do you, that's so true. You know, we have to be careful with who, who we put on a pedestal. I think it's, it's super yeah. Yeah, important. I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of yeah. it too, for sure, for sure. Like I, I, it's easy to put people on pedestals and then, you know, you can't really dance if you're on a pedestal, you will fall. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable, inevitable. So I'd rather kind of stay calm and level with everyone else. That way I don't have to worry about falling off the pedestal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what advice would you give aspiring yoginis out there who really look up to you they're wanting to do what you do they're wanting to bring this practice that has been transformational in their lives and they're wanting to create a platform online what advice would you give them to me the most helpful thing has been to put your blinders on and just look ahead so I've had to not necessarily like unfollow my peers but I don't look at every single thing my peers do. Like I love and support my other girlfriends who are also killing the YouTube game and doing so well. And we always support each other in our endeavors, but I'm not gonna look at every single Instagram post that they create. I'm not gonna watch every YouTube video that they make. I'm not gonna be on every single newsletter that they put out there because I found that the more inundated I was with what other people were doing, the harder it was for me to figure out what I really wanted to do mm -hmm. and what was going to be authentic and a true voice. It feels like at, at a certain point, it felt like everyone was doing the same thing. You know, it just, it just looked like everything was so, so, so similar. And it's because if you're always following each other and always looking at what other people people are doing, it's going to dilute your own creativity and your own ability to think outside the box. So I would say it's fine to be inspired by other people, but don't obsess about what other people are doing. Like you have your own offer to put out into the world and no one knows what that is yet except you. And you're not going to figure out what that offer is if you're constantly looking at other people. So I've really had to pull inspiration from people who are not necessarily in the same field as me. So, you know, I love, 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 like I collaborate a lot with other um, YouTube yoga teachers and we support each other all the time. But now I've had to go outside of the realm of YouTube yoga in other kinds of um, areas, either on YouTube or off YouTube to get inspiration from. Mm -hmm. So in other fields that are complementary, just put your blinders on, get inspiration from other people who are doing what you would like to do, but do not obsess about what they're doing because it will, it will hurt you and it will hurt your voice in the long run and you won't stand out and you're going to wonder why am I not successful? I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing. Well, you're not successful because you're doing what everyone else is doing. Mm, that's so good. What is it about your practice that is still driving you to, to create? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, right now, a big thing for me, I, 
injured myself a couple, uh, about three and a half weeks ago. Mm. Not in, not from yoga, just running with my dog that I just got. <laughs> I had a really bad fall. And now I have a bone bruise on my knee and a partial ACL tear. And I've never had that before. It's very frustrating. But that's been a huge blessing in disguise for me because now it's it's brought me back to the beginner level, basically, of my practice. You know, I've doing dance for so long. It's like you're already kind of bendy and flexy. And, you know, there was a lot of like the advanced poses that came kind of naturally to me. You know, I still had to work towards them and stuff. But there was a lot about my practice that felt very graceful and easy. And this injury has really inspired me or has given me the insight as to what it's like to work with an injury, what it's like to be a beginner, to not be able to do these poses that so many people consider beginner poses, but that most of the times beginners can't do, you know, because we have lost touch, I think, with the true meaning of being a beginner student, especially online. Um, You know, people, you can find a beginner class online and it has a headstand in it. And I'm thinking, in what world is that beginner, you know? But we're all so so many people are so caught in showing off and, you know, getting views and stuff that we've lost, lost track with what it means to be beginners. So I'm feeling very inspired by my injury right now. It's a very humbling process. It's a very difficult, challenging process physically, emotionally, mentally. It's been, it's been extremely difficult, but at the same time, I've also, it's really fired up my creativity. So, and I think that's going to trickle down into my offerings that I have either on YouTube or lunar yoga or any of it. Is there a particular mantra or words of wisdom that you live by? Ooh, that's good. Um, one that lasted a long time for me in the last couple of years was a rising tide lifts all boats. Wow. That was big for me because, you know, I feel like I'm in, I'm in a real place of ease right now with where I am with my online offerings and in-person offerings. But I hustled hard for, yeah. for many years you know, to get to where I am. And as I was trying to, like, I hate this expression, but like climb the ladder, so to speak, I found that it was really easy to go towards competition over collaboration. It was really easy to want to hoard the information that I had and to hoard the knowledge and to not share it. So I really had to make it a practice to tell myself a rising tide lifts all boats. So, you know, as you're trying to build something, I'm sure you've experienced this experience this in yourself with the podcast, like as you're trying to grow something and once you do actually grow something to the point where it becomes successful, people come out of the woodwork and they want to know how you did that and they want to know it because they want to do it for yourself. So I've had to really practice sharing what I know with other people. And yes, sometimes that comes into the form of like, you know, hire me as a consultation because I value my, my work, my knowledge and my time. But also there's a lot that I can share freely with people. And I don't want to perpetuate this, uh, I don't know, this competitive world mm-hmm. of the yoga teacher who's, you know, guarding her students and doesn't want to share anything. So that was a really big one for me. I feel like I'm due for a new mantra. I'll probably think about it in a minute. But that was that was definitely a big one where I was like, relax. If, every, you know, if other yoga YouTube teachers start to rise, it will only help me. Like ev- we are all here to help each other out. I know that I only made it to where I am now because a lot of people helped me to get to where I am. So it's, you know, I always have to be paying it, paying it back and paying it forward and helping other people also rise. So that was a, that was definitely a big one for me. 
that's so good. <laughs> I'm like, that's really, <laughs> that's really good. If you, if you could go back to Cassandra as the way you are now, if you could go back in time and give your 15 year old self some advice, what would that advice be? You know, 15 year old me was very much concerned with her physical appearance. Mm. So obsessed about the way I looked and the shapes my body would make either in dance or just, you know, the way my jeans fit today and was really obsessed with perfection. So that's probably been the biggest evolution, I think, um, in the last, you know, 10, 12 years, I would tell her to relax <laughs> and, <sighs> and that you're, you know, you're not meant to be perfect in every single way. Like your perfection is unique and it's not going to look like the perfection that celebrities have or your yoga teacher has or your best friend from, you know, high school has. Like mm-hmm. we are all here to shine our own unique lights and I wish I could have recognized that those things I didn't like in me were the things that other people loved about me the most, mm-hmm. you know, but so I was insecure about things that turned out to be my greatest assets, you know, the fact that I kind of love to be in the spotlight. Well, you know what, that helped me carve out my space on YouTube. And that kind of helped me, you know, build this presence. But I would always try to like stuff that part of me down. So there's a lot I would say to 15 year old me, my goodness. <laughs> what wouldn't I say? But you know what? 15 year old me would not listen. <laughs> I oh, know that. I know that. She'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 15 year old me was too sassy. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love that. I love the recognition of the sass. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, my God. What would your 95 year old self tell you now? Ah. <sighs> that I'm doing enough and that my worth doesn't come from what I produce. It comes from who I am irregardless. And that all these milestones, these achievements, these check marks off of the to-do list, they don't mean that much at the end of the day. So don't worry about it that much. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So you got me emotional. I oh know. I'm like, oh, that's so intense. Um, okay, well, on that note, this is a great time since you're already there to answer the the following question. And I asked this question to all my guests. So I created Radically Loved as a forum and a place for people to go to to really feel supported by their community and the world at large the universe works for us and not against us and we are radically loved so the final two questions for you are how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love oh man i feel radically loved Ooh, it's a really good question. I'm trying not to overthink it because the first thing that popped into my head was my pets. Like It's so silly, but I really feel like whenever I spend some quality times with my animals and with my pets, I realize just how little I need to do to receive love. You know, they give love so freely, so easily. Mm-hmm. They love so unconditionally. So every time with people, it's a little harder to please people sometimes. Yeah. 
And if I get caught up in the idea of having to please all of the people in my life, it's very easy to not feel radically loved and it's very easy to feel mm. very inadequate. But when I go back to my pets, I'm like, oh, wait, like, no, I'm a pretty cool person. <laughs> like, I'm all right. <laughs> right now, I'm radically loving getting older. And like, I have to quote unquote getting older because I'm 27. It's not like I'm old or whatever. But I, I'm, I'm definitely in a different phase of life and it feels very new. Mm-hmm. And I'm really loving the evolution of my life. It's like, I feel like now in the late twenties, enough time has passed that I can look back and see all the phases that have gone through. And now I'm in a place where I'm really excited to see what the next decades, if I'm lucky enough to have more decades to come, I'm really excited to see what that journey is going to be like. Whereas before, you know, Um, I mean, our society is really difficult on women with aging. So it it had a lot of anxiety for me. And now I'm just like really excited about it. So I'm really radically loving being the age that I am and really looking forward to seeing what 30s are going to be like and 40s and 50s. And hopefully I can get all the way to 100. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Please don't ever stop doing what you're doing. Everything you're (laughs) on such a great path. And I, I love that this is your passion. And it clearly shows and you're really creating something substantial and something great for not only women, but for our community at large. So again, thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a lovely discussion. Oh, yay. I love your podcast. So oh, it's good. pretty cool for me to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. So and we're going to have you on again. Hopefully this yeah. is the first uh, first of many. So for the people listening and um, that are interested, they want to connect with you or uh, do some of your programs, where can they go for more information? Sure. So, I mean, if you just Google Yoga with Cassandra, you'll find my website and my YouTube channel. Um, My website is yogawithcassandra.com. Cassandra is spelled with a K. So on YouTube, I have almost 300 free videos and free online yoga classes there. So I highly recommend if people want to learn more about yin yoga and also lunar flows, definitely check out my YouTube channel. Just search yoga with Cassandra. And if any women out there are curious about lunar yoga and want to learn more about it, we have a separate website for that. And that's just lunaryoga.tv. But if you go to yoga with Cassandra, you'll be able to link up to that website. Yes. So for everybody listening, all of those links that Cassandra just said will be on the show notes. So if you click on the info, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, you can go straight to those links on here. So thank you, Cassandra, for being on. You're the sweetest. I love you so much. (laughs) And I really do. I'm I'm so I'm a fan. Thank you again for being on and for doing this. Um, right back at you yay like yay hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at rosie acosta or on twitter at rosie acosta subscribe on itunes write a review we love doing this so please help us continue to keep this podcast going thanks for listening